we're, we're going to today uh, start a new series. I titled it Covenants, and Covenants is all about the secret to f- flourishing relationships, and we're going to talk about what these covenants are that God has made in the Bible. We're going to talk about some different covenants, and my goal is to help you understand that you are in covenant with the creator of the universe if you are a Christian and what that means. We're also going to talk about some other cool covenants that God has created. When we built this sanctuary and office complex, uh, we hired a company. We went in, uh, in, 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 entered into a contract we signed with them. And um, they were a design and construction company, which means they did the architectural but they also did the building, and uh, we found out that's not the best way to go for something this size. And uh, when they were all done, they had, they had uh, told me this room would seat 1,200 people, I, and that's what I told them. I said, I want it to seat 1,200 people. And they said, we'll make sure we draw a room that seats 1,200 people. So when it was all said and done, and we bought our chairs and we put our chairs in, we could stuff 1,000 chairs in, but the uh, space between aisles was so tiny and it just was not good for week in and week out. Do it for a special service. And it was comfortable at 900, so they were 300 chairs off. And I remember uh, having to sit down with them and say, hey, you, you missed it by 300 chairs. That's, that's a lot of chairs you missed it by. And, and they, they said, this was their response to us, you bought chairs that are too big. And, and uh, so, so I said, <clears throat> well, we could put little folding chairs in, but I'm not so sure that will help. Uh, the growth of the church in any way whatsoever. And so we had to go into, um, you know, taking care of that situation. And we, we began the process. And uh, what they told us, I did all this research. They told us, hey, it's your fault. But when I did the research, what I discovered is they were using formulas that were 40 years old uh, for the size of a chair. And us Americans had grown and that formula went up. And uh, for some reason, they, you know, they should know this. I mean, they've been doing this for a long time. So we're going at it, and they didn't want to bend. And the thing that really shocked me was how nice they were to us uh, when, when they wanted us to sign on the dotted line and how nice they were to us while we were making monthly payments during the building process. And now we still had a whole payment left, but uh, they changed. And what shocked me is they signed their name on the dotted line too, but they didn't, they didn't honor what they signed, and they didn't want to make it right in one way or another. And that shocked me because th- this was the first commercial project that I was involved in. Later, I built a home and found out you can have similar problems with a home. And most of you, if you've gone here any length of time, you know I'm not the kind of guy that's going to complain just to save some money. That's just if, if there's a price, I'll pay it. But if there's something wrong, I do want to make sure things are taken care of. And so I'm, I'm being as honorable as I can. And I was shocked how they would not honor their side. And then you have to get your attorneys involved in that type of thing. And I think that happens with us when we think about our relationship with God. And uh, we, we think that God's going to react like people. We think that we have a contract with God, but we don't have a contract with God. We have a covenant with God. And it's completely, completely different. And I want you to walk out of this series understanding the power and the beauty of a covenant. And I want you to understand the God that backs up our covenant. And if you're a Christian, you are in covenant with the God 
of heaven. He's made a covenant with you. You know, the very Bible is a book of covenants, and the word Old Testament and New Testament, that word testament, the Hebrew word and the Greek word both, wherever else they're translated in the Bible, they're translated as covenant, because that's what they mean, covenant. And so it's the Old Covenant, the New Covenant. It, the Old Covenant has four major covenants in them. We're going to look at one today. We're going to have a blast as we look at this one, just to help us understand covenants. Next week, we'll take a look at the New Covenant, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to have really a lot of fun next week. We're going to take a look at one of the major covenants in the Old Testament, which would be the covenant of Moses, and we're going to compare it to ours, and it's going to change our, it's going to change our, our, our prayer life. It's going to change uh, everything about us when we come to a deeper understanding of our covenant, and we realize there's a difference between ours and theirs, and there's different rules, and we'll have a blast as we do it. You know what I'm going to do in lesson three? We're going to take a look at the marriage covenant. We're going to have a blast because marriage is not a contract. It's a covenant that God created. And in lesson four, we're going to talk about uh, covenant uh, friendships. And we're going to have an incredible time because if you're a Christian, God's intended you to have covenant friendships with other people. And, but today, I want to take a look at this incredible thing called a covenant. I want to introduce it to you. And I want you to walk out today remembering this truth that God never has and God never will break a covenant. If I can get you to walk out of here today understanding that, your life will change, your spiritual life will change. God never has and God never ever will break a covenant. Now, today I have to throw some information at you. I'll make it fun, I'll make it as interactive as I can with you, uh, but covenants are a major doctrine in the Bible, so we have to, we have to make sure you understand what they are. And you can just sit there and relax and remember everything on PowerPoint. It's, it's on our BC app on your smartphone, whether you have the Android format or the, uh, the Apple. Uh, it's, it's, it's all on there. You can actually come into church, and it's, it's already there when you walk into church. That's pretty cool. So uh, you could be on your phone. I'll think you're following along, and you could be texting. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even know it. I wouldn't even know it. Isn't that amazing? But uh, I want you to just listen, and here's how I want you to feel about covenants. I like to cook. I love to cook. And when I cook different types of dishes, um, I'm one of those guys that as I cook, I clean up. So by the time I'm done, the only thing dirty is the spoon and, and the pan. And I like to eat it right off the stove. So I'll put it in my dish, and then I'll sit down. I'll take my first bite. And when I take my first bite, I don't, I don't try to do this. It always happens. I always go, mmm. And I do, it, I do it the second and third bite, too. And my wife and daughters, they laugh at me every single time, like I'm so impressed with what I just made. And I remember the first couple times I did it, uh, Gina goes, what's up? I said, this is the best dish of so-and-so I ever ate. And she looks at me and she says, why do you have to compare your food with mine? Why do you have to say you cook better than I cook? And then I did what all of us husbands have to do, you, you backstep, you know. And I said, no, 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 what I was saying was, this is the best I've ever made this dish. But I want you to walk out being that way with the word covenant. So I've done my best to help you walk out today going, mmm. Now I want you to humor me. You ready? You ready? Let's all do an um together. Ready? Mmm. One more time. You guys, come on. Mmm. You're going to say, that's that good, man. Everything's perfect. The garlic's perfect. Every seasoning's perfect. It's really, really 
good. Now, here's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at uh, this incredible subject of covenants. We're going to talk about the fact that God never has, God never will break a covenant. And here's a cool verse of scripture that will help us understand it. Take a look at this. This is uh, Psalm 105, verses 8 through 10. It says, God remembers his covenant forever, the promise he made for a thousand generations. Wow, that's like a long, long time, guys. That's 40,000 years. The covenant he made with Abraham, the oath he swore to Isaac, he confirmed it to Jacob as a decree, to Israel as an everlasting covenant. And I want you to notice a couple things in this text. Uh, just notice how he remembers his covenants forever and notice that they're everlasting. God never has, God never will break a covenant. And I like this one part about the promises in the covenant. Uh, he says he backs them up for a thousand generations and he's just picking a crazy number. Uh, he'll do it forever. But just think about that. How many of you wish that our appliances had that, that kind of guarantee on them? Wouldn't that be awesome? Typically, it's one year, right? And then you have to buy a couple extra years. You have to pay extra for that insurance for a couple extra years. And uh, we discovered something about our microwaves over the last 10, 15 years. Uh, they make them to be disposable. And uh, we have this really great guy that comes over and fixes our appliances. He, a guy here at the church, Tom Fencemaker, he's incredible. And uh, I, I remember the first time... I called him over to fix a microwave, and he just said, Joe, he said, it's going to cost more to buy the parts to repair it because they make it all one unit, he said, than to go buy a new one. And, and that bothers me that microwaves are <laughs> meant to be disposable, but that's the way they made them. But guess what? God's covenants aren't like microwaves. They are not disposable. He keeps the guarantee on it forever. So here I'm going to get a little academic on you. You don't have to remember this. I want you to remember one part of it. Here's the definition of a covenant, and it reads like this. It's a voluntary pledge under oath, agreeing on promises, stipulations, privileges, and responsibilities. And here, here's the part I want to make sure you remember through the whole series. For the sole purpose of establishing flourishing relationships. Take a look at one of these points under here. God always initiates covenants between himself and mankind. This is really, really important. Do you know that throughout the history of man, we have never had to go to God and say, you know, God, you haven't called me in a month. You know, God, you never stop over to see me. And God, you know, we've been out of sorts because of what Adam and Eve did. And hey, you think we could do something, maybe a, a do-over? Is there some way we can fix this thing? No, 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 no. God wants to have a relationship with you so bad that he initiates covenants with us. And some of you are sitting here right now, and I think all of us deal with this in a different way at one time or another, thinking, why would God want to know me? I have this fault. I have this problem. I can't get, overcome this. I keep failing in this area. And you just think, how could he ever care about me? And you know what? God loves you madly. He loves you more than you'll ever imagine. And you know what his number one goal is? He wants to have a flourishing relationship with you. Are we all broken in one way or another? Absolutely, we're broken. But God's, God's the fix it up guy. He can, he can fix us up. And his goal, if we just follow Jesus, he'll fix us up and he'll grow us and he'll improve us. And all of us are on a path to growth if we're following Jesus. But it doesn't matter where we're at and at what time in our life it is. The heart of God is, I want to have this flourishing relationship with you. That's why he created covenants. Uh, here, here's another thought about covenants. The Hebrew and the Greek word 
Uh, for covenants, uh, it, it carries the idea of cutting and binding. We already talked about binding. It's forever. It's forever. I, I like cutting. That's referring to the fact that blood is shed and God used animals in the old covenants. But do you know how he cut our covenant? Through Jesus. And, and do you know what Jesus allowed to be cut? His life. And he shed his blood. We sang about it in our song today, one of our songs. He gave his life. So our covenant was sealed with the blood of the Son of God. It was sinless blood. He was perfect. He never did anything wrong. He came into that human body. He was perfection in every way, and he sacrificed his life. He allowed himself to be cut off so we can live. And you know what that does? That makes our covenant the most powerful covenant God's ever made. We'll find out next week. God calls our covenant, we call it the new covenant, the covenant that makes us Christians, he calls it his last and his best ever. And we are living in it. And that's really, really exciting. Here's two more things. Covenants typically include a symbol. And covenants can be conditional or unconditional. And just to help you understand this, uh, there's a covenant in the Old Testament. It's the Noahic covenant. It's a covenant God made with, with, uh, with Noah. After the earth was flooded, everything that was breathing died except those that were inside the ark. So God comes to know and he says, I'm going to make a covenant with you and mankind. Here's the covenant. I will never, ever destroy life on the earth, all life on the earth, through a flood. He says, I'll never do it again. And do you know it was unconditional? Condition means we have to do something. It was unconditional. It doesn't matter if we're creeps or not. It doesn't matter uh, what we're like. God's never, ever going to send a flood and kill humanity again. I think that's pretty, pretty exciting. It's unconditional. And then, you know what the sign was for that covenant? God says, you know that rainbow you guys always stare at and say, isn't that beautiful? He says, every time you look at that rainbow now, I want you to remember, I cut a covenant with you, and that's the sign of the covenant. So these are just simple little things we want to understand about covenants. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a look at this covenant God cut with this man named Abraham, who happens to be the father of Christianity, and he's called the father of our faith. Abraham didn't know God. Uh, he, he was worse than I was in that sense before I met God. He, he didn't know who God was. He, he was what we might call a heathen, and God came to him and said, I'm choosing you to cut this covenant with you, and it was an incredible covenant. And here's what you want to know about the Abrahamic covenant. It was made with, with Abraham, but it also included his descendants or his seed, anybody that came forth from him. And we're going to find out today that that includes us. And, and, and here's why it does. Listen to this. Galatians 3, 26 and 29. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. That simply means that when you accepted Christ as your Savior, you were born again on the inside and you became one of God's kids. It's by believing in Jesus. Listen to verse 29. If you belong to Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That's spectacular. So if you're a Christian, all the promises in his covenant, unless they're specific to him, they belong to you. So this has been spliced into our covenant, and that's pretty exciting. And here's what I want you to understand as we go through this. I want this thread to go all the way through because I want you to walk out and be able to say God never has and God never will break a covenant. We're going to notice how God kept this covenant with Abraham. It's old enough now to where we can, we can study and say, did he keep it? 
Oh, yeah, he did. He initiated it. He found a heathen that didn't know anything about him, and that's what he did with me. He did it with so many of us. He found us. He said, hey, you know what? I, I had my son die so I can have a relationship with you. It's like, really? God, I'm a creep. It doesn't matter, Joe. I, I can turn you into a non-creep. I can grow you, Joe. I, I can help you grow. And, and that's what he did. So there's seven promises that he made to Abraham. And uh, take a look at the first one. He said, Abraham, I'm going to make your name great. He said, I'll make your name great. Th th that phrase just simply means you're going to be known all over. Everybody's going to know who Abraham is. And you know what's amazing? Three current major religions claim Abraham as their father. Judaism, Christianity, we would figure those two, and Islam. And I'm not saying that Abraham or God is putting a stamp on Islam, but they say that they came out of Abraham, and Abraham's their father. So think about this. Hundreds of times a day, the name of Abraham is mentioned all over the world. God made his name great because God never has and God never will break a covenant. How about this next one? He said he's going to make them into a great nation. And if you study the Old Testament, uh, Israel became a world power under David and under Solomon. They dominated the world. Nobody could come near them. Nobody could touch them. God did exactly what he's promised. And the only reason their reign ended, God told them, if you don't keep your part of the covenant, I'll, I'll disperse you and have you taken captive all over the world. And guess what? He did it. But I'm glad he made another promise, aren't you? He said, but there'll come a day when I bring you from all the ends of the earth and I recreate the nation. And he recreated Israel in 1948. And you know what? They're not the biggest nation, but it's, it's amazing. I have some friends that they, they, they know heads of state in Israel. Uh, they've become friends with them over the years because there are Christians that reach out to Israel and, and the Israeli government, they so appreciate it. And these people have become close with the Israelis and they know some of the generals and so they they showed them their military things and they show them a lot of things and here's what my friends told me they buy our aircraft our fighter jets and then they enhance them <laughs> they, they make them better and so they end up having a jet that's even better than the one they bought off of us because God's also made the Jewish people he's blessed them to be very very bright and 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 and, and smart and they buy our tanks and they enhance our tanks now, could we take them? Well, if God doesn't fight for them, we're still too big for them to handle us. We would outpower them in size. But isn't it amazing they're this little nation and nobody's really able to crush them. All their enemies surrounding them, they are still a great nation. One day they'll become even greater when Jesus comes back. But God never has, God never will break his covenant. He's kept it. How about this one? He said to Abraham, he said, I'm going to bless you. And he's referring to natural blessings and uh, there's this cool story in Genesis 24, 34. You see the reference up there. But at the end of Abraham's life, we discover how much God blessed him. And he was, in his day, if you take inflation, he was a, he was a billionaire. And, I, and, and I'm not saying God's going to do that for us. I'm not saying he's going to make us all millionaires. But you know what? The same blessing that was on Abraham is on us. And I think it's amazing. It's amazing that Abraham had this battle. And after the battle, he has all these spoils that he won, all these goods. And he's walking back or traveling back to his homeland, and Melchizedek comes down. 
And Hebrews 7 talks about him also. He comes down, and, and it's amazing. The Bible says he has bread and wine, and it says he's a type of Christ. So we're seeing communion there. We're seeing the death and the burial of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus. He comes down and offers him bread and wine, and, and then the Bible says this, he blessed Abraham. He spoke blessings over him. And then the Bible says this, Abraham gave him a tithe of all. And that's something he had already been doing uh, with Melchizedek. But here's what I love about it. I don't give to God to be blessed. I give to God because he has spoken that I am blessed. And that changes everything in your life when you realize it. And it releases God to open the doors you need open and bring you the jobs you need and so on and so forth. So God never has, God never will break his covenant. He kept that covenant with Abraham. And then he said this, God would bless those that bless him and he would curse those that curse him. And that carries on to Israel, the nation. And it's amazing. Any nation that helps Israel, God's hand of blessing comes upon that nation. And I believe our nation, it, we're ungodly in so many ways, but I believe we're still great for two reasons. One reason I believe this nation is still strong and still great is because there's so many Christians that are praying for this nation. We have Christians by the millions in this nation that are praying. I believe God honors that. And you know another reason why, I, I mean, the blessings of God are all over us. I believe it's why technology is exploding in this country and all the things that happen, the entrepreneurs that rise up because we have protected and we've been a friend to Israel. And it's amazing when you befriend them and when you treat them the right way, God says, I'll bless those that bless you. And kingdoms have come down that have cursed Israel. And it's just a blessing. Why is that happening? Well, God picked this heathen guy, Abraham. He made a covenant with him, and that's one of the promises that he made to him. He, it goes on, and, and he says, I'll make you the father of many nations. That's pretty incredible. Uh, Abraham's not the father of one nation. He is the father of of 20 nations. Do you, do you know he's the father of 20 nations? I don't believe there's any person on the earth that's the father of more than two nations that ever lived. 20 nations came out of his descendants. That's absolutely mind-blowing. And here, 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 are, uh, here, here are the, the nations that came out of him. Israel, Arab, Persian, and a few northern African nations came out of him. So all those Arab nations that are in conflict with Israel, I'll show you why they're in conflict in a moment. At another point, they all came forth from Abraham. That's amazing. The Persian nations are modern-day Iraq and, and Iran. Those are the Persians. And, and all those nations came. So you might be sitting here saying, Pastor Joe, did you Google that? Uh, are these facts really true? And here's the book. It's an incredible book. It's called The Source. Uh, it's called DNA and Trans uh, Tradition. So if you want to check it out, you can. But just letting you know, I did my homework. And God said you'll be the father of not one nation, but many. God kept that promise. So what does that mean to us? God's going to keep his promise when we pray. God's going to keep his promise to watch over us, to protect us, to help us in every area of our life. It, it builds our faith and our confidence because God never has and God never will break a covenant. How about this next one? This one, I'm not going to take time to talk about. We'll talk about it more next week. But he said the Messiah would come through him. And Jesus did come through Abraham's seed. And how about the next one? He promised them land. And God actually gave the borders of the land. Take a look at the picture up here behind me. The red is the original land that God promised to Israel. 
So this really helps us when modern day events are happening to understand this. Take a look just for a moment. Uh, the original land that God gave Israel, that, that David had and Solomon had, uh, notice how it includes part of Turkey, part of Iran, part of Iraq, part of Saudi Arabia, part of Egypt. And, and notice how all of Syria, Jordan, Lebanon, all those nations are completely within the borders that God promised Israel. Now, I'm not blaming them because Israel was disobedient. They were dispersed. These guys took the land that was empty. But, but here's all I'm saying. God did give them that land, and if they were obedient, they would have had it. But I also think this is fascinating. I've been following politics since right around 19 years of age, and the first time I voted was when Reagan ran for president the first time. And I, I have been an avid watcher of, of politics. I, I love to watch. I love world affairs. Sometimes I want to throw things at the TV when I see some of the things that are happening. My wife says, stop watching that. You're, you're a little angry right now. Because I'll begin to yell at the TV. What, 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 how could you do that? And, uh, and, and so I'm very aware of it. And here's one thing that I know. The reason we see the conflict that's been there since I was 19 and before in the Middle East is because of what's going on behind the scenes, what, what we can't see with these eyes. Uh, the devil, who's our enemy, he hates Israel because God chose them, and he hates God, and God promised them land, and you know what? He's trying to make sure the little bitty land, you see how small Israel is? He's trying to make sure that shrinks and becomes smaller and smaller and smaller, and that battle's going to rage until Jesus comes back and settles it forever. But God never has and God never will. He gave them the land that he promised. How about this stipulation? These are just three things I want to make sure you know. Uh, in order for the covenant to work, here's what Abraham had to do. He had to leave his land, and he did, follow God. He had to believe, and he did, and he had to be circumcised. And I'm sure there was some argument there. I'm sure he said to God, uh, could I give up bacon instead? Is there something else I can do? And God said, no, you have to be circumcised. And next week we'll find out, hey, as we talk about this, that that's a type and shadow of God wanting to do in us. He wanted to circumcise our hearts. And he cut out the old us and put in a new us when we accepted Jesus. And that's, that's a picture that was painted. How about privileges? I love this one. Here's what God said. He said, uh, he said I'll be your God and I'll protect you. And, and I love this one. I, I want to tell you a little story about this one. Uh, it's a Bible story. Abraham was not perfect. And sometimes when we read Bible stories, we think these guys were perfect. He kept the stipulations. He left his land. He believed. He was circumcised. He made sure his descendants were circumcised. Uh, but, but he had lots of flaws. And this is going to help us because don't all of us have flaws? Uh, you know, one of our core values here at Believers is no perfect people are allowed. So if you're perfect, you have to leave. This is the last service you're allowed to come to. And the reason I'm allowed to pastor is because I'm not perfect. We don't allow perfect people in here. And, and, and some of us think that if we're not perfect, God's not going to answer a prayer. God's not going to help us. God doesn't care about us. But listen to Abraham. Abraham did some really terrible things. And uh, I consider them very awful. Ladies, all the wives in here, you're going to agree with me in just a moment. Uh, he did this twice. That's what blows my mind. He did it two times with two different kings. He did it once with the king of Egypt and once with the king of Gera. And the king of Gera was Abimelech. And we're going to talk about that story. So here's what's happening. Abraham's traveling. He hasn't uh, had a permanent home as of yet. And he says to his wife, Sarah. Now, the Bible says Sarah was exceedingly beautiful. So he says to Sarah, you're really pretty. He says, so when the king hears how pretty you are, word's going to get back to him. He's going to want to have you in his harem. He says, so let's tell everybody you're my sister. That way, when he comes to take you, he won't kill me. 
Isn't that being a creep? I mean, can't you take a bullet for your wife, Abraham? He is flawed. How many of us think a modern-day American woman would let that happen? Slap, slap. Don't, you, you're not going to do that to me, Abe. I'll tell you what. So I can't believe he did it, and I can't believe he did it twice. It's crazy. So guess what? The king's people said, she's beautiful, she's beautiful. So the king came and took her, and Abe said, yeah, I have her. She's my sister. And want, want to give me any, any dowry here? Is there anything I can have? And, and uh, I can't believe he did it. But, but you know what? God promised I'll protect you. And he protects us even when we make mistakes, even when we're uh, flawed. And I think that's amazing. And so guess what happened? Abimelech was made deathly ill. So he could, he could not have relationships with Sarah. He was made sick. God made him sick immediately. And all of his harem, all of his wives became sterile. None of them could be pregnant. And he's scratching his head. He has no idea why. And one night he has a dream. And in the dream, God appears to him and God says, I'm going to kill you because you stole a married woman to bring into your harem. And Abimelech says, how can you kill me? I didn't know she was married. And he says, you got a point. Abe's got some flaws. He said, I'll tell you what, here's what you do. He said, take her back to Abraham. Have Abraham pray for you. I'll heal you and I'll heal all your, all, all your wives. I'll heal every single one of them. And he did that. But here's what's mind-blowing. He comes to Abraham with all these thousands of cattle and herds and all these servants and he gives them all these blessings so here's abraham flawed as can be not a perfect man and he makes a terrible mistake but god has his back god protects him and then he ends up being blessed coming out of it and what can we learn from that two things one god never has god never will break a covenant god said i'll protect you god protected him what else can we learn from it guys that I don't care who you are. I want to make sure you don't walk out of here with any condemnation. I want to help you lift some condemnation and throw it off. You and I will never be perfect, but if we're in covenant with God, he's fixing that. God's, God can do do-overs. He's remaking us. He's incredible at that. So he's going to keep changing us. But in the meantime, that promise belongs to you, and it's in our covenant God's going to protect you. God wants to answer your prayers. God wants to help you. How many of us can say, that's pretty cool? How many of us can say, mm? How many of us can just give God a hand real quick? Can we just thank him, man? I think it's incredible. I think it's incredible. Now, here's his big responsibility. You ready? He had to walk bef before God faithfully and blameless. Now, what he did with, uh, with, with, with Sarah, he didn't break this because uh, blameless just means his conscience is right. And he didn't go against his conscience uh, that's just what he understood and what he knew. And I think that's phenomenal. And one last thing was the sign was circumcision. And now, guys, here's what I want to do, man. I want to pray. So let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. And Lord, all of us together corporately, I'm praying in behalf of everybody in this room. We want to thank you that you never have and you never will break a covenant. Thank you, God. Thank you that you're faithful to your covenants. And Lord, as we continue in this, uh, series. Open up our hearts to our covenant. Open up our hearts to the marriage covenant and friendship covenants. May we never be the same. And Lord, thank you for wanting to have a flourishing relationship with us. Thank you, Lord God. That's absolutely incredible. And now, Lord, if there's anyone in this room that doesn't know you personally, may this be their day. And only you can open our hearts. Only you can help us see who Jesus is. So guys, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I want everybody to listen real, real closely for just a moment. 
Right now, I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm not asking you if you're a member of a Christian church. I'm not asking you if you're water baptized as a baby or an adult. All those are great things. Here's what I'm asking. Can you remember a day in your life when you made it real or personal with Jesus? What I mean by that is inside, you came to the understanding, Jesus, you're the Son of God, you're the Messiah, and today I'm accepting you as my Savior and I'm making a decision to follow you. I'm not talking about rote prayers you might have prayed in a church situation. If you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I believe that, but I can't remember a day when I made it real, why not make it today, man? I believe God's opening your heart to see that. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I want to ask you to do me a favor. I want to ask you to pray with me. And everyone else in the room that's already uh, accepted Christ and made a decision to follow him, um, they're, they're going to pray with you. But if you're here and you say, that's me, would you pray with me? Just mean it from your heart. The miracle happens. Say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe, and I make a decision today to follow you. And I thank you for changing my life. Amen.